This is Warning Radio with Dr. Jonathan Hansen, founder and president of World Ministries International, a non-denominational end times ministry dedicated to fulfilling a divine commission to trumpet forth warnings from God concerning the imminent second coming of Christ and the impending judgment of God upon the ungodly. God has sent Dr. Hansen to many nations of the world with a solemn warning to the political and religious leaders and citizenry to repent of their sinfulness and wickedness or face the catastrophic judgments that will soon be unleashed upon the unbelieving world. Listen now to the warnings of our compassionate and merciful Creator conveyed through His faithful prophetic spokesman, the host of Warning Radio, Dr. Jonathan Hansen. This is Dr. Jonathan Hansen. I want to welcome you to the Warning Program. Today, my associate pastor, Pastor Ty Goldstrom, will be speaking on the Ministry of Reconciliation. He was with me and spoke this message on December 18, 2004. Sit back and enjoy the message. I come to you today with reverent fear and trepidation. Whenever you deliver the word, you come with respect for the word. And you realize how serious the word of God is. Because you realize as you grow in the word that whenever the word is propagated, whenever it is sown to the ground, you realize that there is responsibility. And that's why there is fear and trepidation in a reverent way. Because more than anything today, the word that I speak today, I want it to be received by y'all. Can you say amen? Amen. I promise today to be faithful as I know how to be. I promise you that I'll be faithful to speak the word that the Lord has given. I promise not to water it down, to make it easy, to make it palatable. I promise to give it to you the way the Lord has given it to me. I pray that you would also be faithful. I pray that you would not resist the Holy Spirit, not resist the work of God, but I pray that you would abandon yourself to the work of God. I pray that you would receive that engrafted word which is able to save your soul. That is my cry. That is my heart. If I come up here and I'm faithful, but I know that the word has not taken seat, then I leave here not satisfied today. Because I am not here just to preach a good sermon or a charismatic sermon. I am here that you might change today. Are you willing to be changed today? I cannot make you change. I can only be a messenger boy. That is the business that we are all in. We are messengers of the Lord Jesus Christ. Many times at work, people say, Ty, what are you going to do this weekend? I say, I'm going fishing. And they look at me and they usually don't say much. And they'll say, well... Pastor Ty, a lot of them call me Pastor Ty, a couple of them. They'll say, what are you doing tonight? I say, I'm going fishing. And they usually don't know how to respond. Oh, I didn't know you fished. And I usually don't say anything more. And once in a while, they'll come back and say, wow, you really like to fish. (laughs) I say, I do like to fish because I like to do what my father has called me to do. We are supposed to be fishers of men. That is not the job description of a pastor. That is a job description of a Christian. That is your job description, to be fishers of men. I'm getting better at it. 
I have a lot of areas I need to improve on, but I want to be a better fisher of men. Praise the Lord. The question is, will you let yourself be caught? Amen? Are you going to keep running from it? Or will, when the word of God comes, it says it's coming sharper than any two-edged sword. It can pierce and divide. Just like that lure on the end of a line, it can pierce and grab hold of you. The word of God, if you will let it, will grab hold of you. And you'll never be the same. But you can run away from the word as surely as a fish can run away from that lure. The difference between you and a fish, you're smarter than the fish. If you don't want the word of God, you know how to find the exit quickly. Many times people can hear the word of God. They're in the same sanctuary, but they're not receiving the word of God. You're hiding from the word of God. God's presence is right here, just as surely as God's presence was in the garden when he said, where are you? Amen? So Jesus is saying to us today, where are you? Today we're going to speak on the ministry of reconciliation, the ministry of restoration. I believe this is the focal point of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I believe this is the centerpiece of God's will for our lives. I believe it's the thing that gives birth to evangelism. And the very reason that we want to go out and evangelize others to be fishers of men is because we're parrying on what Jesus Christ has already done for us. You see, the ministry of reconciliation started in the very beginning. It started in the book of Genesis. The very first relationship that was separated with God's relationship with mankind, with Adam and Eve. That was the very first relationship that needed reconciliation in the beginning. And God, from the beginning, decided that he would make a way to bring that relationship back together again. Do you remember right after Adam and Eve sinned and God was told that it was the serpent that deceived? He cursed that serpent. But remember what he said in that curse in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15? He prophetically showed his plan. He said, I will be one day the seed of woman. He was speaking about Jesus Christ. He says, you, Lucifer, you, serpent, you will bite his heel, but he will crush your head. Right in the midst of speaking out the cursings for sin and rebellion and rejection, God shows forth his grace and his mercy, his plan of reconciliation. I recently watched The Passion of the Christ, and they picked this up so well because they showed that Jesus Christ was in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he was sweat of drops of blood from his face. He was agonizing over what he'd have to do. And a snake comes up to him in the garden to try to distract him, to try to tell you, you can't do this. And finally, after a certain amount of harassing, Jesus Christ crushes the head of the serpent, basically saying, not my will, but your will be done. Amen? So that relationship was broken by sin. But God has always made a plan to reconcile that relationship. Hallelujah? Hallelujah. Right after the next chapter, Genesis chapter 4, we have the story of Cain and Abel. We now see this ministry of reconciliation, we see also this sinful nature going out and causing divisions and factions and discords and spirit of anger and a spirit of murder. But in the midst of that, God has a plan and a purpose for reconciling relationships. Christianity is the only religion 
Every other religion, man is somehow trying to approach God in his own strength. Christianity is different in that before the foundations of the earth, God decided to send his son, Jesus Christ. The sin in the garden, the sin of mankind, it did not catch God off guard. He knew the problem and he provided the solution. That's the grace, that's the mercy, that's the love of Jesus Christ. In the midst of sin, in the midst of the first relationship being broken and torn in the garden, God had a plan. It was to send his son, Jesus Christ. And Jesus, shortly before he left this earth, instructed his disciples, he says, a new commandment I give you. Love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this, all men will know that you're my disciples by how you love one another. That's the new commandment. This commandment, this love, is agape love. It can only come from Jesus Christ. You cannot conjure up that love. That love is not part of you. That love is part of Christ. And now, through the born-again experience, that relationship coming back together, we can partake of that divine nature so that his love can come to us and be expressed through us. You can be a conduit of his love. You can be a pump of his love. You cannot do it on your own. And so what it, Christ is implicitly saying here, if you must love as I have loved you, what he's saying is you must know me. You must abide in me because that's the only way you can have the love in the first place. If you choose to reject him, then the love of Christ cannot come within you. You cannot minister to others the love of Christ. You cannot be a reconciler of relationships. If you'll turn in your Bible to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, Christ's love for us drove him to the cross so that through his death, our relationship with God could be restored. And now through the indwelling presence of God himself by the Holy Spirit, we are called to reconcile and restore relationships. You know, when Christ died on that cross, it says that the veil, the curtain in the temple was torn from top to bottom. Why top to bottom? Because it was saying that it wasn't man doing it, it was God doing it. God was coming down and God from above was tearing that dividing wall so that now we might have access but we need more than access. It has to be more than the curtain being torn. Because when the priest went in to the Holy of Holies once a year, he had access once a year. He needed more than access. He needed a sacrifice. He needed Jesus Christ. And so not only do we have access by the breaking of the body of Christ, but by the spilling of his blood. Amen? Amen. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 18 says, all this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us, gave you the ministry of reconciliation. Verse 19, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting man's sins against them. And he committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ ambassadors, as through God, we're making his appeal through us. God is making his appeal to man through you. Hallelujah. What a responsibility. The whole thing about reconciling men unto himself is going to happen through you. 
Because Jesus Christ says, the kingdom of God has come. And now the kingdom of God has come through us by the indwelling presence of Christ himself. We are to propagate the kingdom. We are to carry out the good news. And so the ministry of reconciliation, of bringing relationships back together, that is our responsibility in Christ Jesus. Jesus already did his part. He died to be the perfect sacrifice and covering for our sin. His body was tortured, hung on a tree. His body was torn to give us access. And now he has promised his Holy Spirit. And now the Holy Spirit, if you allow it to abide within you and you in it, you now carry on the ministry of reconciliation. Ephesians 2, 12 through 13 says, Remember that at the time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, and foreigners to the covenants of the promised, without hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near through the blood of Jesus Christ. You have been brought near by the blood of Jesus. And because of this great work of Jesus, the God who found you when you were wandering in the sin, when you were in the pig's food, eating the things of this earth, which leave you parched, which leave you dry, which leave you unsatisfied, when you are trying to quench the desires of your heart in amongst yourselves. Jesus found you in the midst of that state, and he brought you near by the blood. Oh, the blood of Jesus. Isn't it wonderful? The blood of Jesus has brought us back to Jesus Christ. So Ephesians 5.18 says that he gave us the ministry of reconciliation. And we realize that we have been purchased. We have been bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Do you know that when you surrendered your life to Christ, you surrendered your rights? You don't have rights anymore. You don't have your own agenda or what you want to do. He has purchased you by his precious blood. You don't go to Christ and say, this is what I'd like to do, Jesus. I know you do it this way. Your word says do it this way, but I want to do it this way. Your rights have been placed on the brazen altar. They are dead, at least potentially so. But how often do we struggle with trying to bring our rights, our agenda, our desires, our intellects back to the gospel and say, Lord, I think we can do it this way. This makes me feel a little bit more comfortable, Jesus. That's a hard word, Jesus. But if you realize that you have been purchased, you are not your own. You are now hidden with Christ in God. And so because we have no rights in ourselves, where do we get our rights? We get it from the commander of our faith. We read it right there that we are ambassadors of the Lord Jesus Christ. We are not the general. We are not the CEO. We are not the president. He is the head and we are the body. We take our commands from the head. We take our commands, our commissioning from Jesus Christ himself and the word of God. This is the way that tells us the path of righteousness. This is headquarters. This is the strategy. Jesus Christ speaking through you through the word of God and through the spirit of God. That is command center. Hallelujah. If you need a prayer answered, if you don't know how to combat a situation, if a barrier comes up in your life and it seems like there's no way around it, the first thing you should do is consult headquarters. 
Consult the Lord Jesus Christ. He has the answer. In him, it's yea and amen. amen. Hallelujah. When there seems to be no way, Jesus will make a way. And so now we have the commission, the rights in Christ Jesus to be reconcilers. Bringing relationships that are torn. Bringing relationships that there's factions and discord and bitterness and hatred. The things that lead to a spirit of murder or the spirit of suicide. Those things which the devil longs for the body of Christ to be in. He longs for us to be in factions and discords. Because as soon as we allow that to happen, he has a right over us. But Jesus Christ says, if you will just surrender to me, I can breathe forth through you the ministry of reconciliation. Taking what is shattered, taking what is in ashes, and bringing it back together and making it beautiful once again. This is the ministry that Jesus Christ has given you. I want to talk about our relationships with one another. Because as Pastor Hansen said, that what happens in this house, what happens in our relationships here, this is where it first has to happen. It must happen here. If I can't have righteous relationships in my family, if I can't have righteous relationships in my church body, then I am not going to be a good propagator. I'm not going to be a good fisher of men. If you can't deal with your family, how can you deal with someone else's family? If you can't deal with your brother in the blood, the one you know so well, how can you deal with your brother who is not in your immediate family? How can you possibly do it? And so we want to be fishers of men. We don't want to be a church contained within walls. We want to be able to go out and bring people in. Amen? We want to be about our Father's business. But if it doesn't work here, you can't take it out there. If you're not willing to do God's will here, you won't do God's will out there. It's harder to do God's will in the land that's dictated by the prince of this world. How are you going to do here in God's house? And so today we're going to spend a few moments talking about relationships and the ministry of reconciliation. Point number one says, when you have a conflict, when you're at odds with a brother or a brother has odds against you, when you know that there is a problem in a relationship, first consult with Jesus Christ regarding the person and the issue. First consult who? Jesus Christ. How often do I find myself when I'm in a conflict, when someone is upset with me or I am upset with someone else, the first thing I do is I what? I find the nearest person to pacify my hurt. I want them to meet that need. I'm hurt. I'm grieved. And I look for a human relationship to try to pacify it. That's what the carnal man tries to do. They try to meet their desires and their wants and their hurts by themselves in the natural but you quickly find out that most of the brothers and sisters don't give you very good advice. Because the advice to give someone that comes to you in this situation is to ask him, have you consulted Christ in this matter? Well. Not pacify them, oh, it's okay, brother or sister, they were probably mean to you. That's what we want to do. That's human love, human compassion. Well. Divine compassion says, have you consulted your father yet? Have you allowed Jesus Christ to shed light on this darkness? Whenever there's factions and discords and hatred, that is darkness. We need the light. We need Jesus Christ. We need his wisdom to show us what's truth. Do you first consult Jesus? Because maybe he wants to bring some revelation to this story. 
Maybe he wants to shed light on the sin. And maybe the sin might be found in you. Before you go on to step two, three, four, and five, make sure you get step one right. Make sure there is no sin in you. Hallelujah. That's a discipline. All of us at some point in our life, we're used to going to human relationships to get our needs met. So when we have a hurt with a brother, our natural instinct, our carnal instinct is to go to another person and find comfort. That's our human instinct. But that does not produce the righteousness of Christ in you. Hopefully that brother or that sister will have some discernment and say, what you're doing is not right. Go first, seek your father. I think he'll give you wisdom. He'll give you direction. Don't come to me first. I'm here for guidance and counsel. And my counsel is, go and seek God first. (laughs) Amen? Amen. That would be good counsel. First, seek Jesus Christ. The majority of conflict that we have with brothers and sisters is rooted in unmet needs. We talked last week a lot about desire and a lot about needs. And we came to the conclusion, what I'm talking about this morning, that we have desires and we have needs. There's nothing wrong with those. But how we get them met is vitally important. We must find our desires and our needs first and foremost met in the person of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. When you become a Christian, when you lay your rights at the altar, you're now saying that that most important relationship in your life is with Jesus Christ. He's the one you consult with. He's the one you cry out to. You don't just automatically go to human relationships, spouse and children and friends, and cry out to them. First and foremost, your relationship is anchored in Jesus Christ. Most of our problems, most of our conflict, most of our hatred and bitterness and jealousies between one another is, comes in the area of unmet needs. James chapter 4 and verse 1 says, What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You want something, but you don't get it. You kill and covet, but you cannot have what you want. You quarrel and you fight. You do not have because you do not ask of God. Did you catch that? So I apply that word to you. What causes in your life the quarrels and the fights and the factions and the discords? Is it not rooted in unmet needs? You had a need, whatever it is, affection, love, whatever. But that person wouldn't meet your need. And so now you divide yourself in your hearts. There's bitterness and resentment and hatred. In those times of broken relationships, we really find out where we're at, don't we? We really see where we're at. Where is my affinity? Where is my security? Is your security in human relationships? Or is your security in Jesus Christ? If you have your security invested in human relationships, as soon as there's a problem in that relationship, you'll look at your life and say, oh, poor me, pitiful me. I'm worth nothing. I should kill myself. Because your security has been invested into man. But your security and your identity and the satisfaction of your desires should come from Jesus Christ. Remember the word last week, Psalm chapter 103 and verse 5. He says, he will satisfy your desires and he will give you good things. Good things. That's the kind of God we serve. 
So first point is consult first with Jesus Christ. Let him meet your need. Let him minister to you. Let him bathe you in the presence of God. Let him come and see that wound of need. Maybe that need started 20 years ago by rejection or some other form, and you found that you needed that need. You keep looking for human relationships to try to heal that need that happened so long ago. Let Jesus Christ come and put his salve upon that need. When that, there's a hole there, when there's a fracture, when there's something that hurt you years ago, that's a foothold for Satan. And you cannot have that foothold eradicated by human relationship. It must happen through Jesus Christ. He must heal that hurt. He must meet that need. Will you let him? Will you let him? If you will let him come back in time and heal those hurts, those abscesses spiritually within you, those infections within you, that will deal with your relationships now because in every relationship that we have, we communicate out of our hurts, don't we? The things that hurt us, the things that make us insecure, we communicate with our loved ones with that same hurt. And it's usually in a negative way. But if you let Jesus heal the wounds, the hurts, and take full security in those areas, full abandonment to Jesus, then in your relationship with your wife and your children, now you're communicating out of wholeness, you're communicating out of restoration. You're communicating out of healing. And you can heal others when you're whole yourself. Point number two says, go on the offensive and not the defensive. Always take the initiative. Always take the initiative when a relationship is broken. My question to you is this. Who goes first? The offended or the offendor? Who should go first? Let's say a brother is jealous of me. I don't know why any brother would be jealous of me. But if he was jealous of me and he started speaking gossip against me because he had a need. See, jealousy is founded on the bed of insecurity. You're insecure in your relationship with Jesus. You haven't been in the lifeline. You haven't connected with the head enough. You found too many human relationships that are fragile. They go up, they go down. They're not secure. It's like a stock. It's a risky stock. It can go up, you can say, oh, great, great, and then down. But with Jesus Christ, it's always up, amen? It's always yay and amen. He will never leave you. He'll never forsake you. When you are unfaithful, he is faithful. But if you invest into the stock of human relationships without divine relationship with Jesus Christ, that is where the seedbed of jealousies come in. And that causes factions and discords because you want what you cannot have in human relationships because you have not asked of God. So who goes first, the offended or the offender? If someone gossips and slanders against me, should I say, well, he has jealousy against me. He's gossiped against me. I'll wait for him to come to me. That's the natural instinct, isn't it? When someone hurts you, What's your natural instinct? Turn around and go the other way. That is our natural instinct. Conflict arises, natural man, separation. That's the natural instinct. You don't have to think about that. You don't have to calculate that. That is the default. That is where you will go apart from Jesus Christ. Amen? Matthew chapter 5 and verse 23 and 24 says this. Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar... And there, remember that your brother has something against you. Other translation says that your brother has odd against you. 
Leave your gift there in front of the altar. First, go and be reconciled to your brother. Then come and offer your gift. So here you are, you're worshiping Jesus. You're in your prayer closet. You're at the church service. You're worshiping the Lord. And there you remember. Who do you think put that memory in you? Do you think you just happened to remember something? No. When you were worshiping Jesus, God brought a relationship back to you and said there is conflict, there is discord, there needs to be reconciliation, there's separation. My blood is supposed to bring back relationships that are factioned to discord. Go first to your brother. Does it say the one who was offended or the offender? It says no. As soon as you know that brother has odd against you, that there's division, that there's a problem, you have the responsibility to go. Hallelujah. Is that true? As soon as you know there's a problem, as soon as you know there's a faction or a discord or a jealousy or a strife, you are commanded to go. Matthew chapter 18 and verse 15, the great scripture about church restoration talks about the same theme, that if a brother even sins against you, it says, what does it say? Go. Even if you are the one that has been offended, it says go. Jesus when he saw men persecuting him, beating him, mocking him, pinning him to the cross, he didn't run the other way. He didn't find a bailout situation. He just said, Lord, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And he went straight forward to do the will of God. Aren't you glad that when he saw your sin, he didn't run the other way? Aren't you glad that when he saw your sin, he ran to the cross? He's in the ministry of reconciling things, of bringing relationships back together. And nothing about himself, his invested interest was not in himself. It wasn't self-preservation. It wasn't to protect himself, to protect his identity, to protect his pride or his ego. He was willing to be called one that was cursed because cursed is anyone that is hung on a tree. He was willing. And when he stood before Pilate and others, when they brought the accusations against him as false as they might be, what was his response? He did not argue with them, though he could have. He said nothing. As a lamb, a sheep led to the slaughter. Nothing would get in his way from running to the cross for your sins. And when you have oughts against a brother or a brother has ought against you, your response, your divine commission by Jesus Christ is to go. To go and to make it right. Because you've got to realize that in the gospel, you cannot have vertical relationship when the horizontal relationships are in factions and discord. He says, go, leave the gift. Leave for right now the vertical relationship and go and address the horizontal relationship with your brother, your sister, your spouse, whoever it may be. Go and deal with it. And then come back to the vertical relationship. This must be a hard word. I'm not hearing a lot of amens. That's okay. So when is the right time to seek reconciliation? May I impress upon you that the delay is the damage. The longer you delay restoring a relationship, the wider the chasm, the deeper the hurt, the bitterness, the anger. If you allow your brother to be in anger against you, if you allow your brother who you know is bitter against you, who is angry with you, if you damage, if you delay, you make that problem worse. The Bible says you're supposed to be your brother's keeper. But if you know that your brother is in bitterness and hatred, the very things that God hates, and you let him continue, shame on you, huh? The longer you wait, the more you damage. The more you bring separation, 
You yourself are breeding separation when you fail to go to your brother. The problem gets worse and worse and worse, and the chance of reconciling that relationship gets harder and harder and harder. But if as soon as you know there's a faction, the very day of, the very next day, if you'll do what is right, if you'll consult Jesus Christ, if you'll get on your knees and say, Lord, there's a faction, there's a discord, bring your revelation, bring your truth, and give me the courage to go, he'll commission you. Why? Because he's giving you the ministry of reconciliation. That is his will. That is his desire. That is the cross. And if you'll just do that, He will give you the wisdom. He'll give you the strategy. He'll let you go on the offensive. He'll let you take the initiative. How many times in our life have we failed when there's ought against a brother to go to that brother in humbleness, in meekness, to be a peacemaker? God loves peacemakers. Are you a peacemaker? A peacemaker is a word, a description of action. You cannot sit on the lazy boy and say that you are a peacemaker. A peacemaker is a person that knows there is faction and discord. And a peacemaker does everything they can within their own strength in Jesus Christ to make it right. Romans 12, 18 says, If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. We are to be peacemakers. We are to bring the Prince of Peace, Jesus Christ, and we are to apply that to relationships and heal them and restore them and bring them back together. To avoid or delay conflict resolution with a brother also affects your relationship with Jesus Christ. Did you hear that? When you fail to carry on that commission, when you fail to go and do the thing that Jesus Christ has already commissioned you to do, because Jesus Christ is a God of revelation, If you are truly worshiping him, if you truly come here and sing to him and worship to him and open up the paths of communication with Jesus, he is faithful to bring revelation to your life. Like I said, when you're at the altar and you remember that there's odd against the brother, that remembering was sparked by the Holy Spirit. And he's saying to remember the odd that your brother has against you. Go and make it right. If you fail to do that, That affects your relationship to Jesus Christ. Because what happens is, God's will is not being accomplished in your life. God says, this is my ministry of reconciliation that I said, go and do. And if you fail, if you have a brother or a sister, if you have a relationship that you fail to do the godly principle, if you fail to go to that brother or that sister, it affects your relationship with Jesus Christ. Proverbs chapter 28, verse 9 says, one who turns away his ear from hearing the law, even his prayer is an abomination. What is the law? Is it not the will of God? As soon as you know and you understand the will of God in your life, as soon as he brings revelation, there is responsibility. Whenever you read the word of God, whenever you hear the word of God, whenever you come to the church service and the word of God is propagated, when you sing the songs, when he brings revelation to you, there is a responsibility to respond to truth. Isn't that right? Remember the parable of the talents? The more that is given unto you, the more responsibility you have. That's why I preface this whole thing about fear and trepidation. Because when you're a teacher, when you're a pastor, when you have areas of responsibility and leadership, when you are parents over your children, there is responsibility, there is accountability. And when he has invested talents into you, 
revelation unto you, and you fail to do what he has commissioned you to do, then even your prayers are an abomination to him. You've heard of prayers of witchcraft. This is what we're talking about. Direct rebellion against the ways of God, yet trying to pretend that your relationship vertically with him is intact. He's saying, no, 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 go, go, go. And you're saying, no, I'm sitting right here in your presence, in your prayer closet. It doesn't matter how much time you spend there. If you're not in God's will, you know who's in that prayer closet? Just you. Jesus Christ says, I cannot do with that. I will wait until you do what I've done. You ever heard anything about going around the block? You will go around that spiritual block until you say, I submit. Not my will, but your will be done in this relationship. Your will might say, that brother hurt me. He gouged me. He gossiped against me. He hurt me in my family. But it's not about your will. Your will has been bought. Your rights have been bought. You're under the blood, and the blood says reconciliation. The blood says go. And you must respond, or your prayers are an abomination. I speak to you men. Peter talks about your relationship with your spouse, with your wife. And he says that you better treat her right. You better honor her. You better be a priest over her. You better guard her and protect her. Because if you don't, your prayers will be an abomination. Your prayers will not be heard. Amen? That's what Peter says. Men, are you treating your wife like you should? Are you respecting your wife? Are you loving your wife? What are you doing, husband, when your wife says something that's cutting or hurting? Are you returning it with a slap to the face spiritually? Attack for attack, tooth for tooth? Jesus Christ says go and cover over that sin by your blood. The blood of Jesus covers over a multitude of sins. Go to your prayer closet and pray and intercede for that wife. Intercede for that child. Hallelujah. He'll answer you. Don't you trust him? Don't you believe him? He says you keep on seeking, keep on knocking, keep on asking. He will respond. He is faithful. Is he a liar? We must go or your relationship with Jesus Christ will be affected. Point number three says be slow to speak and quick to listen and sympathize with others. You see, when a brother sins against you, they've hurt you. You realize that you hurt a brother. Let's make that situation. You realize that you said something that just tore someone apart. You were having a bad day. You said something to them, and you know that brother is just angry with you. You know he's steaming. You know he's gossiping. One of the reasons that we're supposed to go to our brothers is because when someone else is hurt, a lot of times in their immaturity, they will go and gossip and slander. Isn't that right? When they're hurt, when they're suffering because you hurt them, the reason we go quickly is we want to protect them from going and finding human relationships to find and appease them. We don't want them to carry on that hurt. We don't want them to go and to gossip and to slander. We don't want bitterness to spring forth. That's why we go immediately. We want to protect our brother. Isn't that right? That's being your brother's keeper. Because you don't want anything to happen in that relationship. The relationship with that person and their Jesus is more important than your relationship. You want to protect them. Isn't that true? So when a brother or a sister, your wife or your husband, your children, when you do something to hurt them and they're angry with you, realize that how they express their emotions to you, how they articulate with you may not be a righteous way. Don't be alarmed. 
Because when we are upset, when we have been hurt, we don't always act real nice. So when you go to restore that relationship, don't be caught unawares when they come against a little gouging, a little upset, a little irrational. If you first go without consulting your Jesus and you're so full of yourself, you will go to that thing and you will not sympathize with their feelings. You will not understand their hurt. You'll want to try to come and fix the solution as quick as you possibly can so I can go back to my father and pray. But Jesus says, go and listen. Be slow to speak quick to listen. Sympathize with their feelings, even if they're irrational at that moment. Hear them out. Have compassion. Don't just look for a way to say, that's irrational. The thing started because you sinned against them, and now you're going to come against them because they're irrational. You're trying to restore the relationship, not just pass it over with a little putting on top. You want to come to the root of the problem. If they're upset with you, if they're mad at you, and you caused it, let them speak. And keep your mouth closed for a season. Let them say their part, even if it's irrational. You don't have to return it back. Because you know what? When someone touches your flesh with irrationality, you know what you respond with? One more measure of irrational behavior. And that thing comes up to a firecracker that blows up, doesn't it? And next thing you know, doors are slamming, dishes are breaking, husbands are dodging the dishes. Things like that happen, don't they? Even in Christian homes. Oh. If your goal is to be right, you will never achieve reconciliation. If you want to be right, if that's your agenda, if that's your desire, it's simply to be right. Simply to be rational. Simply to be intellectual. This is men right here. They like to try to be all unemotional and, honey, you're... Your speech is irrational. It's, you're getting emotional here. This is how men respond. They straighten up and look so proper. A lot of wives right now are giving a little elbow in the solar plexus. Making sure that husband's awake right now. This is how I do it. When I want to walk in the goat, my wife is upset with me. She probably has a good reason to be upset with me. She's being emotional, might be a little irrational. And what do I do? I try to diffuse her irrationality by being so proper and being so prim. How could you get out of control like that? Oh, your emotions aren't sanctified. I might throw in a Bible verse here and there to give a little poke and a prod. That really helps, doesn't it, men? That really diffuses a situation. That's what happens right before the dishes start flying. When you start adding the Bible verse to cover your own sin. Because you want to be right. You don't want reconciliation. You're not wanting that relationship to be restored. You want to be right. It might be funny, but it's true. Mm, It is true. Psalm 73, verse 21 and 22. This is what David said. He says, when I was beleaguered and bitter, totally consumed by my envy, I was totally ignorant, a dumb ox in your very presence. Do you realize that when we are upset and angry, Because someone has hurt us, we don't always respond in a great way. Don't be surprised by that. If you have hurt someone and they're angry with you, don't condemn how they express their anger. Just listen to it. You're the one that started the thing. And now bring the salve of the Holy Spirit. Proverbs 19.11 says, A man's wisdom gives him patience. It is to his glory to overlook an offense. So if you start an offense and they offend you back by being angry with you, 
You have a choice right there. Are you going to perpetuate the problem or are you going to extinguish the problem? And how you react to that anger, that bitterness, that hurt will dictate whether reconciliation will truly happen. Point number four is confess your part of the conflict. Confession and repentance. Did you catch that? I didn't just say confession. Confession and repentance. Isn't it a beautiful word? Repentance. That is a glorious word. It's by the greatest word next to the blood in the whole Bible. Repentance means grace. You have a chance to bring the relationship back together. But no relationship that is divided can come back together without repentance. Want me to prove it to you? Look about your relationship with Jesus Christ. You were once alienated from God, separated from God because of your sin. What did it take? It took more than the provision. Jesus Christ died. He made the access. He provided the blood. But now you must respond in confession and repentance. Amen? So that when someone, when you sin against your brother or your sister, it takes more than just say, I'm sorry. Are you really sorry? What you're saying is you're making an appeal for peace but you're not trying to restore. You're saying, can we just continue to live on here? Bygones be bygones. I'm sorry is a call for peace. Let's just lay it aside. Jesus says, no, you deal with the situation. You have true biblical repentance. Repentance means I don't want this thing to happen again. I want to change. I'm confessing my darkness and I realize I need the light and that light is going to Throw away the darkness. The darkness is going to flee in the presence of the light. And I am going to make a concerted effort to live and walk in the light. That's true repentance. More than confession. When you sin against a brother or a sister, don't cop out for confession. Yes, I was wrong. I'm sorry. That is not good enough. That is not biblical. That did not restore your relationship with Jesus Christ, and neither will restore your relationship with your brother or sister. It's always based on repentance, a change of heart, saying, yes, I was wrong, and I am not going to do it again. And if I do it again, I'm going to ask you to forgive me again, and I'll make another concerted effort over and over again. Repentance brings relationships back together. Matthew chapter 7, verses 3 through 5 says, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, brother, let me take that speck out of your eye when all the time there is a plank in your own eye. You hypocrite! First, take the plank out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. This is the point I was getting to when I talked about husbands and wives. You've hurt your wife. She gets a little irrational because she's hurt. Big old two-by-four beam sticking right out of your head. And she does this little thing about getting just a little bit irrational because you hurt her, and you're trying to calculate, how can I reach past this two-by-four? It's almost longer than my arm, but I'm going to still try to get that speck out of her eye. You're probably bobbing her right in the head at the two-by-four, probably doing more damage to that plank beaming right out of your forehead, but you're so determined to get that speck of sawdust that you're going to bash her and bing her and everything else, and you make the thing worse. It's hard to minister with the plank proceeding from your forehead. It's hard to get close. That beam of separation, you cannot get close to that person. You cannot reconcile. You cannot restore because there's a separation, the thing called sin, that's protruding from your forehead. Confession and repentance 
is the great diffuser. The other party's hurts and anger will be disarmed through your confession and repentance. Whenever I have in my relationship, I should say most of the time, when I do it right, even if I know that 90% of the problem is with the other brother or sister who has hurt me, I always try to find out where have I failed this brother or this sister. And I find that small 1% or 10% or 20% and I take accountability for it. And then even if only 5% of the problem is me, if I will go and confess that 5% and repent of that 5% and say, brother or sister, I've done this thing wrong. Will you forgive me? Do you know how fast that 95% of the other brother or sister takes? It is confession begets confession. It is the great diffuser of hatred and anger and bitterness. Even if you only have a fraction of the guilt, Take accountability. That's a spiritual leader right there. Find a little bit that you could have done. I could have came to you a week earlier and probably helped you a lot more, but I I was hurt, and so I pulled away from a season. Will you forgive me for that? And I tell you what, that's when you start heaping coals on their forehead. Not in a bad way, but in a good way. And they'll respond almost every time if you'll simply take accountability for your area of guilt. Fifth point, see the person and the problem through spiritual eyes. Ephesians 6, 12 tells us, for we are not fighting against people made of flesh and blood, but against the evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against those mighty powers of darkness who rule this world and against wicked spirits in the heavenly realm. Do you realize, husband, that your wife is not your enemy? Do you realize... Wife, that your husband is not your real enemy. We do have an enemy. And the enemy is an enemy of distraction. He's an enemy of what? He tries to perverse things, twist things, change things. He's a great deceiver. If he can get your eyes on the person and the problem and your eyes off of him, he's won the victory. If you see your spouse as your adversary, then you no longer see Satan as that any longer. When you have a relationship that's broken, there's a lot of anger and bitterness and resentment. Get your eyes spiritually engaged. First to Jesus. Then he'll give you the understanding of how Satan is behind the background of the situation, trying to weave things, trying to do things, trying to touch the hurts in one person to pull the anger into the other person. This is why we have to have our desires and our hurts and our pains salved, healed, and restored by the Holy Spirit because the devil is in the background and he's trying to find an area. He's trying to find a way to deceive you. He's trying to get your eyes off of the spiritual reality of the situation and onto the physical reality. That's why the Bible is so clear. Remember that we not war or struggle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, spirits of darkness. If you'll just keep that perception... If you'll just remember when your wife or your husband or your brother or sister, when they're engaging in you with anger and in cutting words, if you'll just see past that and see Satan, you will have a totally different appreciation for that person. And then within, you can just start doing spiritual battle. You can start right when that happens, and all of a sudden that brother is coming against you, and they're saying things that are hurtful. You just remember that my battle is not against that brother. And right there, you're starting to put on the armor. 
starting to put on that breastplate of righteousness, the belt of truth being fastened, the helmet of salvation's coming, the shoes shot at the gospel of truth. You got the sword, you got the shield, and you're ready to do battle. And it's not against that person, it's against Lucifer himself. Keep your eyes on spiritual reality. Don't be so easily provoked by people. But let Satan provoke you because you know when he comes against you, you have the authority over him. You can distinguish the solution by reacting with the blood, reacting in love and patience. That is the great diffuser. That is the armor. That is the sword. That is the gospel. We don't fight against flesh and blood. We fight with his armory. We fight with love, peace, joy, patience. This is the things that we fight with. Satan hates those things. When someone hurts you and you respond in love, Satan has been defeated right there. Do you believe it? As soon as you react the same way, when you beget what they give you, this is why Jesus taught us. This is a new command to love one another. If they slap you on the cheek, offer the other. If they steal one garment, offer them the other. Because he knows that that is a great diffuser. He knows that the battle is won when you respond in the fruit of the Holy Ghost. When your spouse, when your brother, when your sister, when your child, when they come against you in these ways, put on your armor. Have your armor on. Be prepared. Consult your father. Listen to their grievance and respond in love. Do not attack the person, but attack the problem. Proverbs 15, verse 1, says a gentle answer turns away wrath. But harsh words stir up anger. If you're stirring up anger, what's in the pot already? Anger. If someone comes to you and they're angry with you, if you turn around with another harsh word, that anger gets stirred around and is more volatile. Confession and the love of Christ, the blood of Jesus, it's the great diffuser. I look at it as a firecracker and the fuse has been lit, and it's coming into you, and they throw it right into your lap. What are you going to do with it? If you try to go in the carnal man and come right back at him, you have enlarged that firecracker. It's going to blow up right in your lap. But if you respond in the love of Jesus Christ, then you spiritually can extinguish that thing before it blows up. If you want to reconcile the relationship, you must see through spiritual eyes. The last point, is focus on reconciliation and not resolution. Reconciliation focuses on the relationship, whereas resolution focuses on the problem. Many times we can agree to disagree on an object, on something that happened between you and me, but all the while we can be reconciled. We don't have to let the problem always cause division. If we simply come and love and entreat one another, and if we have done wrong to confess it and ask them to forgive you, even if the conflict in itself is not resolved, the relationship is resolved. The relationship's in harmony. Your prayers are now going to be answered because you've made the horizontal relationship right, and that now has allowed you to have the vertical relationship. So now you can righteously pray for that problem, that conflict, that it could be resolved. But you first gotta focus on reconciliation, bringing the relationship back together. Focus in on that. That's what Jesus had in mind when he went to the cross. He knew that we still have conflicts and problems and sin to repent of, but he wanted the relationship to be brought back together. 
We must focus in on reconciliation and not merely resolution of problems. Friends, we got to understand that we can talk about this stuff all we want, but the bottom line is you cannot do any of this by yourself. This comes to the indwelling presence of Jesus Christ by the Holy Spirit. If you don't allow Jesus Christ to indwell you, if you don't abide in him, if you reject him, if you constantly disobey him, then you cannot do any of this stuff. It is not for you. It can only happen as Jesus Christ is daily renewed within you. Every day you put your goat, you put your carnal man on the altar and say, Lord, let that thing be consumed. Let your spirit rise up within me. Then you can do these things. These are things for the spiritual man and the spiritual woman. A carnal man cannot do these. Galatians chapter 6, 1 through 3 says, Brothers, if someone is caught in a sin, you who are spiritual should restore him gently. But watch yourself, or you also may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks he is something, he is nothing. He deceives himself. You must be spiritual to be a spiritual reconciler. The very nature of Christ himself is a reconciler. Jesus is a reconciler. You must allow Jesus to have his way in your life in a daily manner, in a daily way, in a very real way. Every day you must allow that to happen. And then and only then are you qualified to go and be a spiritual reconciler. If I know in the body here that there's two people at odds against each other, I am not going to send a carnal man. I will not do it. He'll make a mess of it. He'll give his own opinions and his own ideologies and his own will. He will not be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. He will not respond with the fruit of the Holy Spirit. He will make a mess of the situation. I will send a spiritual man or a spiritual woman because they can come and they can allow the ministry of reconciliation to flow through them and restore that relationship. They can diffuse it with the fruits of the Holy Ghost. This is for people who want to be spiritual. Not in yourself, by abandonment and surrender to Jesus Christ. That's how you become spiritual. Abandonment, surrender, faith, obedience, discipline, diligence. It's not easy to be spiritual because you have something to fight. You fight the adversary who is trying to use your carnal man to do the very opposite that Jesus Christ wants you to do. It is not just easy. It doesn't just come naturally. You don't take a person that spent 30 years doing the wrong thing and they accepted Christ. Now everything's going to be perfect and every relationship's going to be restored. It takes hard work. It takes discipline. This is why Paul said that I beat my flesh into submission. When? Every single day. Why? Because that carnal man is also in the business of resurrection. That carnal man wants to resurrect himself at any opportunity that you give him. You must give it opportunity. You must surrender to it. You must surrender to temptation for it to consume you. God will never let something happen to you that you cannot endure. If you have had a problem and temptation has overcome you and you have sinned, it's because you have failed to abide in him. You have failed to take the provision of the divine nature at that moment. Don't look at yourself. Don't look to your heritage. Don't say, I'm Italian. I just have a bad temper. Don't blame it on anything. My mom was that way. Her mom was that way. My grandfather was that way. It's just the way we are. No, it's just the way your carnal man is. Jesus Christ is not that way. He died for that. 
He died so you could save you from yourself. You must give opportunity for the carnal man. You must allow it. God is a God of faithfulness, grace, and mercy. What kind of God would we have if temptations were something we could not endure? That is not the kind of relationship with God that I want. Because then I cannot say that I am more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. He is faithful. Nothing can happen to you. No temptation can happen to you that you cannot overcome by your relationship with Jesus and by access to the divine nature himself. You can conquer every temptation if you abide in him. He promises to abide in you. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Approach Christ, run to Christ, and he promises that he will always be there for you. That's the promise of God. You who are spiritual can be spiritual reconcilers. We must remember the work of the gospel is to reconcile. When you understand this, when you appropriate it in your life, the whole understanding of reconciliation, that is the energy, that is the catalyst of why you want to go to your neighbor and go to people and share Jesus Christ because you want them to be reconciled to Jesus. If you can't reconcile with brother or sister, you cannot reconcile the world to Jesus. The ministry of reconciliation first starts where? It starts in Judea. And then it goes to Samaria. Then you can go to the uttermost ends of the earth. It starts in the home. It starts with your spouse. It starts with your children. It starts with the people right in this place right here. If you say, God, I want to be an evangelist. God, I want to be able to minister to my neighbor. First get it right here. He's speaking to you. I guarantee that in this hour that I spent, he's been speaking to you. I know that. He's assured that the word will go out and it will not return void. He has been speaking to you today. He will not make you respond. You must choose to respond. But God is in the business of reconciliation and he has given that ministry to you. Colossians chapter 1, verse 19 and 20 says, For God was pleased to have all the fullness dwell in him, Christ and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Jesus is in the business of reconciliation. I believe that even in this place right here, that there are relationships that have not been reconciled. Maybe they've been confessed. Maybe you have agreed to get along, but that is not reconciliation. This is what the Bible says. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath. Yeah, tomorrow morning you can have a little smile on your face and pretend like nothing happened. But that is not restoration. And your prayers are hindered when you do that. And you wonder why I don't get any new revelations from Christ. You wonder why every time you lay hands on the sick, they're not healed. God says, your prayer is an abomination. Just getting along with your brother or sister is not restoration. Doing it God's way is. Confessing, repenting. That is what brings people together. I know in this place right here today that there are people that are not reconciled. You might get along. You can smile to each other. You can even say, God bless you. But inside, there's still hurt and there's still pain. Jesus has been speaking to you today. I implore you to respond to the Holy Spirit. Will you respond to the ministry of reconciliation? Will you get your relationship right with Christ by getting it right with your brother, your sister, your spouse, your children, whoever it may be? If they're not in this place today, you can say, in my heart, I commit to making that relationship right. And when I leave this place, I will make it right and I will make peace as much as it depends on you. Will you do that?
I can't make you do that, and neither can Pastor Hansen. You must choose to draw nigh unto God, and he will draw nigh unto you. You are accountable. You are responsible to respond to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has been active. The Holy Spirit has been dealing with us today. Will you respond to the Lord Jesus Christ? I pray that you will. You will find that as soon as you take that step, remember Pastor Hansen's testimony, that there was a point in his life where he had hatred for a man. He hated a man. Do you think that affected his life with Christ? Do you think that affected his prayers? That affected everything. By allowing that hatred to be there, by his own testimony that he was a hypocrite, he could not have access to God. His prayers were an abomination. But as soon as he confessed it, and he just didn't confess it to God, he went to the person and asked for forgiveness. As soon as that happened, there was freedom. Hallelujah! There was freedom. And now... There was access to Jesus afresh and anew. And shortly after, there was revelation, there was vision, there was dreams, there was anointing, there was ministry to go out now and to reach the world. It happened by confession and repentance. That was the catalyst, the bedrock of righteous living. If you want to do all that you can for Christ, if you want freedom from areas of physical bondage, from emotional bondage, depression, anxieties, areas of bitterness and rage. You must come to Christ and repent and say, Lord, I have done it wrong. Forgive me my sin. And now give me the courage to go and to make it right with my brothers and my sisters, whoever it may be. You say, well, that person's dead now. It was my father or my grandfather who raped me or whatever else. It doesn't matter. If you hold bitterness and rage and anger, you just confess your part. And he knows your heart that if that person was here today, you would do it right. Just do it right today before Christ. You will find in your life that you will have blessing upon blessing. You will find the things that you consider just a physical infirmity. Maybe it's pain. Maybe it's joint pain. Maybe it's arthritis. Maybe it's chronic headaches. Who knows what it is? But many of these things are caused by us not heeding the word of God. If you'll simply respond to God, so often we'll find physical healing. So often we'll find freedom from depressions and anxieties and things that distract us and keep us from a full relationship with Jesus Christ. He has come to give you life and life to the fullest. If you're not experiencing that life today, consider the word today. Because he came to give you life abundantly. That is the will of God. When I see people in the medical clinic, and they're Christians, and they're taking antidepressants, I tell them flatly, this is not the will of God for your life. He wants to give you life. He wants to give you breakthrough. He wants to bring you revelation. He wants to use you. He wants to dance with you, have intimacy with you. He wants to speak to you. If you're not having that, he wants it. Look within. Is there something that's keeping you from the vertical relationship? It's not the will of God for you to be depressed. It's not the will of God for you to have aches and pains and things that torment you. The will of God is blessing and life more abundant. Today, let the Holy Spirit work in your life. Every man, every woman, every child. It doesn't matter about your gender. It doesn't matter about your age. It doesn't matter about your nationality. The word of God is the word of God, and you must respond to the word of God today. Sister Tamara is going to lead us in a song. 
And as soon as you hear the words start from her lips, will you come and do business with God? Will you come and make it right with God? If you have problems in your horizontal relationships, this is a place you start. You start by surrender. You start by confession, by repentance, and say, Lord, forgive me. And give me the courage, the strength to make it right with my brother or my sister. You cannot do it right if it doesn't start on a foundation of repentance. They must start here. Don't fool yourself. Don't say, I'll put, I will determine in my heart to do everything I can to reconcile. You must start here in repentance. If anything else comes into your mind, that's the deceiver. Trying to find another path of sacrifice. It starts with repentance. You must do business with God right here. And we've got to remember, the whole point is to restore. To restore. To restore. We're there to restore the relationship, to bring it back together husband and wife to be happy and healthy for friendships for people in the businesses that work together or church or ministry it's to restore not to separate love covers a multitude of sins it's harder to go to somebody when you know they're angry with you but maybe you are totally innocent yet you're supposed to go to them to restore so you've got to exercise patience and even if the whole process they don't want to restore and they're just hateful you operate in love and there's nothing there you will immediately receive them you don't want them to leave you want the whole situation to be healed when your heart is pure your prayers will be answered even if they leave because you don't want them to leave and you'll immediately receive them back the whole point of this is restoration to restore for unity not for division not for divorce it's to restore united we stand divided we fall you heard the story before I left of Elijah he did nothing wrong to the widow woman except for to minister to her and her provisions were provided her and her and her son always had food. He did nothing wrong. Yet when something happened, she attacked him and accused him and attacked his integrity and character. He didn't leave because he was hurt, falsely accused. He operated through love for restoration, ignored the false accusations, ignored the criticism and just loved her went to God the Father for a miracle and the boy was raised from the dead so no matter 
what people do to you. They can be 100% wrong. God still will have you go to them and still minister to them and ignore their feelings or emotions against you or their hatred or bitterness or unforgiveness and still you're supposed to operate in love. It's all for restoration. Amen? Are we there? If we don't understand these things, you'll never have victory in anything you do other than your own victory brought on by human effort. Love covers a multitude of sins. Love constantly covers, meaning forgives. If you're living with a man or a woman and they're just mean as far as with their words and stuff. Unless they're in the act of adultery and constantly in adultery. If you're attending this church and the person's in adultery and unfaithful, then I will counsel a separation until there's a real repentance, go take an AIDS test, follow through with successful church counseling. But if it's just a matter that you're not sanctified because your nature is not glorified and it, it will never be this side of heaven. But we can grow and be kind one to another. But there's always somebody that's more spiritual in the relationship that has to forgive more. Come on. There's never a husband or a wife that's on the same level. Some marriages, the husband's more spiritual, some the wife is, and that more spiritual person has to constantly forgive more. Oh, I've forgiven a hundred times. Well, 70 times seven is more than a hundred times. The key is restoration. And the key is love, God's love that forgives, that forgives. So this whole thing is for restoration, not to give an excuse for separation. They didn't behave the way I wanted. You know, there's never been a church that has totally behaved the way I wanted. In other words, they've never all been fully glorified or sanctified so we can see more. It's never been that way. People are not sanctified and they're growing into sanctification. But you've got to have patience and love and work through all of their accusations, allegations, criticisms, whining, crying, and everything else. You forgive them and they forgive you because there's never a perfect congregation and there's never a perfect pastor. Because we're in a human body that is not perfect. But we can try, amen? Can't we try? That's the whole point. If we diligently with all of our energy, if we try, if we make that conscious effort with all of our might, then God, God's spirit and word will not return void. We will change. The situation will change and we can 
we can love and forgive. And the greatest example was on the cross with Jesus. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. They never asked forgiveness. They didn't want it. They were killing him. Now that is love. Here they are. They've just beat him. If you've, how many people have watched The Passion? Have you watched it? I'll tell you what. That's a bloody movie. I didn't go to a theater, but watched it in a home. And that's one bloody movie. But it wasn't bloody enough because the reality is if you studied it, it was even worse. But he was 100% innocent. <laughs> and he still said, Father, forgive them. Now, none of us are 100% innocent one to another. Can't we operate in love and forgive? Amen? There's not a man or woman married here that can't have a beautiful relationship if you decide you want it bad enough to deal with your goat that's the Hebrew word for your carnality I'm going to deal with it you can have that relationship and if even if the other partner isn't that determined you that are more spiritual pray for them and forgive them and love them the key is restoration Thanks for listening to this episode of Warning Radio with Dr. Jonathan Hansen, founder and president of World Ministries International. Warning Radio is a listener-supported program. We need your donations in order to continue airing these Christ-centered prophetic programs. Send your checks or money orders to World Ministries International, Post Office Box 277, Stanwood, Washington, 98292. To donate securely by phone, call 360-629-5248. Visit our website to find other ways of giving and a wealth of information about World Ministries International and host Dr. Jonathan Hansen. The website is worldministries.org. There, you'll also have access to hundreds of previously aired radio programs, made-for-television videos, thousands of articles, Dr. Hansen's books, and travel itinerary. Again, the website is worldministries.org. The phone number is 360-629-5248. Remember, the Lord is not slow about the promise of His return, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing for any to perish, but for everyone to come to the repentance that leads to eternal life.